Hello, welcome to This Week in the Atlantic Coast Conference, the podcast for allsportsdiscussion.com. This is Jeff, one of your podcast co-hosts, and you can follow me on Twitter at TalkinACCSports. The podcast moderator is Matthew, and you can follow him at Smash underscore ASD. <coughs> As we wait for our co-host Matthew, our moderator, to join us, uh, we have uh, a podcast guest, James Curl, a great friend of the podcast. Uh, he's been podcasting since uh, 2011. Uh, James, can you tell us about yourself? He's over there at Pack Pride. Yeah, thank you again for for having me on. I always appreciate the opportunity to to join you guys. And um, yeah, I've been um, podcasting since uh, 2011. I had a show um, that we recorded at an Italian restaurant in Raleigh, um, Amedios. And uh, in fact, I think uh, we can ask Matthew when he gets on here. But I think he had the opportunity to swing by Amedios uh, on a recent uh, trip into Raleigh for a, a game. But uh, did that show for about five years and then took a break from podcasting. And then Corey Smith over at Pack Pride reached out to me and asked if I would be interested in uh, being a co-host for their weekly show. And uh, that was, uh, gosh, hard to believe that, that was uh, right near the beginning of the uh, pandemic. <laughs> so um, it's been about three years, two and a half, three years now since um, getting back into podcasting and uh, doing the weekly show at Pack Pride. All right. Very good, James. Um, let's get into this past week in ACC football. Which <laughs> ACC football team was the most disappointing in week 10? Uh, Clemson. <coughs> and uh, which yeah. team was the uh, most impressive in week 10? Well, you, you kind of uh, stole my uh, thunder there a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I think everybody's going to point to Clemson as being the the most disappointing team Um you know, Notre Dame has had some some solid wins, but also some kind of head scratching losses. And when you're a team that's in the mix for a, a football playoff spot, you know you don't really expect them to get kind of uh, manhandled the way they did. But Notre Dame, uh, give them credit they <clears throat> they did what I thought NC State should have done in their game against Clemson, which was kind of run the ball right at them. Um, I had watched Clemson earlier in the year, um, and I wasn't really that impressed with their defensive front. I, I felt like that I, I had seen instances where, um, you know, teams were able to run the ball on Clemson. You know, at, at Clemson's defense, uh, we've heard, you know, for years has been just elite, and I kind of felt like it was more reputation than actual results um, early on in the season. And, um, you know, Notre Dame finally did the thing. They actually ran right at Clemson and <clears throat> won the line of scrimmage. I mean, Notre Dame's obviously been able to get in, uh, you know, a lot of elite line talent there. They're, they're you know, a program that recruits nationally, so they don't really struggle for, <clears throat> excuse me, bringing in, you know, elite talent along the offensive line. But um, they had no trouble running the football against Clemson and, you know, they've struggled throwing the football, Notre Dame has, but they didn't need to uh, against the Tigers. And, you know, Clemson has just really struggled on offense the last couple games. Um, DJU's kind of reverted back to uh, the DJU we saw last year. Um, of course, against NC State, my team, he had one of his best performances of the year down in Death Valley. So go figure. But, uh, um, yeah, Clemson, easily the most disappointing team uh, of the week. And I'm not sure. Did you already ask me who was most impressive last week? <coughs> uh, yeah, just as a second part to that question. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think Florida State uh, just absolutely boat racing Miami. You know, a, a game that, you know, two decades ago was one of the biggest yearly contests that, that every college football fan kind of eagerly anticipated. And, man, it was no contest. Um Florida State was able to pretty much pick their score. Um, <clears throat> you know, State was fortunate to beat Florida State earlier this season. Uh, it was the game actually in which Devin Leary got injured, um, but able to come back and and hold on 
against Florida State, uh, kind of rally and win that game late. Um, that was a big win for now for NC State in retrospect, just because we've seen that uh, that is a team that has really, really improved as the, the season has gone on. Had that nice win against LSU early in the season. Um, you know, struggled a little bit at times, but um, yeah, I mean, I think Florida State doing what they did to Miami was just. Uh, I think everybody kind of assumed that Florida State had the upper hand in that game going in, but to beat Miami as convincingly as they did was really, really surprising. <coughs> yeah, and one and one more thing about about Clemson when you go back to that game and you have, you made great points, James, um, but you know, did, did Clemson even read a weather report? <laughs> when when they put their game plan together, because uh, you know it, that the whole you know that part of the country had terrible weather the entire day, you know high winds. You saw the way um, Ohio State <laughs> struggled to move the ball and and throw the ball at Northwestern, uh, and and Notre Dame came out with a with a very basic, a very simple game plan and executed it perfectly. They didn't throw anything downfield because there were winds like 30, 40 miles an hour. You know, like you said, they lined up and just ran it right at Clemson. And and Clemson's tossing it around like they're in a dome and it's 70 degrees. When they went forward on fourth and da- fourth and four and threw a, a 35-yard downfield pass, you, you knew I knew at that time they were toast, that they had, had the completely wrong game plan. Because as you said, you know, DJ has been struggling the last couple games and you already have a, a, a struggling, inaccurate passer, and you're putting him in position to throw downfield passes in high winds <laughs> with very low percentage of chance of getting completed. And the result would, is exactly what you would have expected. And it, it was just an all-around uh, you know, collapse by Clemson offensively, defensively, quarterback. Uh, nobody on the offense uh was making any 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 plays, but mm-hmm. I really look at the the staff just just didn't prepare them correctly for the conditions, and and Notre Dame was wow. it's just we're gonna line up, we're gonna run right at you, we're not gonna turn it over, and and um, you know well you know as an NC State fan, the irony of that of course is that you know one of our most notable games in recent memory was that uh, game we played against Notre Dame in the hurricane where Brian Kelly insisted on throwing the ball so many times. So to see the script flipped a little bit where Notre Dame was the prudent wise team and just decided to keep the ball on the ground uh, versus trying to air it out uh, is actually a, a kind of a delicious bit of irony uh, now that Brian Kelly's moved on and, and Marcus Freeman is coaching them. Um, he, he understood the assignment as they say, um, you know, keep it simple. Don't try to get too fancy and, and Clemson conversely. I mean, I, you know, I didn't get a chance to watch the game, but I, you know, I heard uh, bits and pieces, uh, recaps, and the thing that, um, you know, with DJU struggling, they bring in Cade Klubnick for uh, one possession in the shadow of his own end zone, and he throws a pick. I mean, just an absolute horrible spot to bring in a guy if you're trying to get a spark going on offense. Um, just a lot of mismanagement like you said game plan wise but also just in-game decisions um really puzzling stuff and you know I, i'm not a huge Dabo fan but i mean to his credit he was quick to own that uh you know they just really got their butts out coached in that game um so i guess he gets you know brownie points for that but um just baffling decisions in in many respects in that game <laughs> yep yep Absolutely, and and totally agree with you on on Florida State. Uh, they are definitely on, on a roll, playing very well. You know, we've seen it all year. We've seen flashes of them being a top twenty caliber team, but they just couldn't put it all together. And I, I think they are now, and I think they have a really good chance of running the table the rest of the season. That's that's a good football team that I don't think anyone wants any part of at the moment. <laughs> Right, and you think about where we were a year ago, and and all the frustration that Florida State fans were uh, feeling towards Mike Norvell as a head coach. You know, he, <clears throat> I think, you know, I, I know I, I'm, 
I'm older and, and a little bit of a, a fuddy-duddy, but um, I really do feel like if you give some guys um, time, you know, it's not in vogue to let guys, you know, uh, make roster changes and and work through some of the you know parts that don't mesh well with what you're trying to do. But uh, I think we're seeing that Florida State's benefiting from giving Norvell a little bit more time. Obviously, they were kind of in a position having already made two other coaching changes fairly recently that they didn't really have the the means and ability to to make a another buyout, pay another buyout to another head coach. Um, so they were kind of stuck with Norvell in one sense, but I think the you know we're seeing that it was the the right thing to stick with him <clears throat> because I think he's he's got them headed on a on the right path. I don't know if that if he's the guy to get them back to the Bobby Bowden era levels that we saw. I don't know that the sport is the same sport it was when Bobby Bowden was running things, but um, you know I do feel like that uh, Norvell is getting settled in nicely and and. You know, I, I'm just another reason why I'm thankful that divisions are going away. Uh, as an, a fan of an Atlantic Coast uh, or Atlantic Division team, um, because uh, the prospect of facing a resurgent Florida State every year uh, was was not going to be something to be fun to deal with. Um, my my runner up choice was going to be Louisville. I mean, they've really started to come on strong here at the end. <clears throat> you know, their game against James Madison was tied at the half, but their their defense has really come along really well, and I'm not excited having uh, to play them. I w- would have much rather faced Louisville earlier on in the uh, in the schedule than you know having to uh, be there. You know that be our penultimate game of the year heading into the uh, final game against UNC. Yeah, that Louisville. Uh, is definitely on fire. And that kind of gets me to my next question, uh, James. Which ACC football games are you looking forward to the most in week 11? Um, I, I had two that I kind of earmarked, and I think you're you're hinting at one of them. Uh, Louisville at Clemson is going to be a big game, especially in lieu of what happened uh, up in South Bend for the Tigers. And knowing that uh, we've got – Louisville yet to play. I, w- I want to see how Louisville looks against Clemson. You know, two teams that are kind of headed in uh, momentum-wise, headed in different directions. Um, Death Valley is just such a tough place to win at. Um, but if DJU is back to struggling throwing the football, and they've still got unanswered questions at quarterback, you know that might be uh, a game where. You know, you've got two strong defenses, and uh, it might be a, a lower-scoring affair. But if, you know, of course, if Malik Cunningham gets loose and gets going, you know, you could see Louisville win that game, and then suddenly that gets to be uh, – <coughs> sets up for an interesting matchup against Louisville when we travel uh, up to Kentucky to get play them in the following week. Um, my first choice was UNC at Wake, just simply because I want to see UNC lose. And uh, I, I'm I'm – you know, Wake is in the midst of a skid here. Uh, obviously, we beat them this past weekend in a great game. I, you know, uh, I wanted to selfishly um, pick, you know, State as the most impressive team uh, in Week Ten, but uh, I, I, I tried to do uh, the the most uh, <laughs> the one that most of your listeners would agree with. Um, and so, uh, Wake is is got to find a way to get off the mat. Sam Hartman's not playing well lately suddenly has started turning the ball over a lot. Um, I don't think we'll see him revert to what we saw against Louisville. I mean, that one game was just uh, an obscene display of uh, turning the football over. But, you know, did throw three interceptions against us. And, you know, we know that Carolina can score, don't have a great defense, but, you know, you don't want to give – you know, you don't want to give away your opportunities to put points on the board because you know you're going to have to be able to uh, to score points to keep up with Carolina. <laughs> yeah, a- absolutely. I mean, both those games, I'm, I'm really looking uh, forward to, you know, Malik Cunningham against that Clemson defense. And you talked about it already with the defensive line at Clemson, you know, not living up to expectations. You know, I think that's one – uh, you know, one one part 
you know, players not playing as well as they thought we they were capable of. And I think another bit of that is, you know, also with the coaching, very uneven year from Wes Goodwin as defensive coordinator. And, you know, what Clemson has tended to do most of this year um, against mobile quarterbacks is they've overrushed the passer. And that opens up a lot of lanes uh, for, for, for running qu- mobile quarterbacks. And that's definitely Malik Cunningham. I mean, I, I think that Louisville has as good a chance to go into Death Valley and come out of there with a win probably since, you know, Lamar Jackson. I mean, it's going to be tough for him. I mean, Clemson's, like you said, very difficult to, to play in Death Valley, but uh, it's been years since I thought legit Louisville had a legit chance to win uh, that game. And then North Carolina and Wake Forest, uh, like, absolutely agree with you. That's going to be a lot of fun. Um, you know, kind of lost in, in Clemson's second half struggles here is, you know, Wake Forest. I mean, they were a top 10 team. You know, they mm-hmm. knocked off a Liberty team that we found out is pretty darn good. Um, you know, top 25, they went down to Arkansas and won this week. And Wake Forest is the only team to beat them. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, they've just gone south since that Louisville game, you know, turning it over left and right. Um you know, you, you, you might expect that against an NC State team with a tremendous defense, but when when that happened against Louisville, right, that was kind of stunning. And, uh, yeah, that, that's going to be a wide open, I expect, very entertaining game. And, and Drake May is probably going to be adding to his Heisman numbers <laughs> in that one because that, that looks like a 45-40 game all day. Yeah, I um... – I mean, this won't surprise you. I'm I'm a little bit skeptical on Drake May as a Heisman candidate, <laughs> um, yep. but uh, yeah, I just uh, I don't know that Carolina has really faced you know outside of Notre Dame the the one loss that they've had on their schedule. I just don't know that uh, Carolina has really faced a an elite level defense yet, um, and come out on the uh, the other side of it. Um, you know, I, I, I will give, uh, I'll give some credit where credit is due. First off, Drake May is a, is a phenomenal quarterback. I don't know if he's Heisman good, um, but he is very calm and composed for a, a tr- you know, a true freshman. Um, and so he, he definitely deserves a tremendous amount of credit. I think, you know, Phil Longo's offense does him a lot of favors, scheming guys open, you know, in, in some respects. And we saw this with Sam Howell earlier on in his career, you know, as it was more a matter of, can you get your guy, your quarterback to hit a wide open streaking receiver down the field? Who's been schemed open, uh, which is, you know, as we saw for NC state this year uh, and Devin Leary uh, it's, it's easier said than done. Uh, uh, you know, it's not the uh, a, a given that you can hit a wide open guy who's running 20 miles an hour down the field. Um, but Sam and, and Drake both excel at that. Um, Drake has just enough shiftiness uh, to kind of extend plays. And um, so, uh, you know, a, a great offensive coordinator paired with a great quarterback is going to put up some ridiculous numbers. And especially when you have a guy like Josh Downs, who, um, again, son of an NC State player, breaks my heart that he decided to, to wear baby blue. Um but, you know, he's an elite talent as well and, and just finds ways to get open. You know, it's, it's one of those deals where you, everyone in the whole stadium knows that they're trying to get the, the ball to Josh Downs and somehow he still manages to get free and get open. And I, I give Longo a lot of credit for the scheme uh, providing him those opportunities and, and for Josh, you know, creating separation as well. Um, but I did want to also give UNC credit on this point, and this is something that I'll begrudgingly give Matt credit for. Um they are making, I think, maybe more so than any other team that I can think of in college football, the right decisions when it comes to going for it on fourth down. You know, um, you know, Mac has actually addressed it this past week. You know, like it's not all analytics. You know, some of it's analytics paired with, um, you know, how your team is playing and who you're facing and, and the situational aspects of it. But they really are, you know, when they're – down in the the red zone and it's fourth and two or three and you know nine times out of ten a team would just take the points and kick a field goal you know they're going for it and they are converting enough of them to to make it worth uh you know 
to where the numbers are helping them out. And, you know, if you are fourth and short in the red zone and you only score a touchdown on half of your opportunities, you're still coming out ahead of if you kick a field goal in both of your opportunities. So, you know, I, 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 as much as I am loath to do it, I have to give Mac and the coaching staff credit for um, being aggressive on fourth down and, and not giving up scoring opportunities when they have the football. Um, that may be partly due to the fact that they know that when uh, the defense is out there, that <laughs> there's a decent chance that the opposing team is going to score. Um, but, um, you know, I, I think it's the, those, that play calling philosophy is paying dividends for Carolina beyond just simply the offensive coordinator and, and the work that they're doing. You know, they're, they're, they're scoring on big explosive plays, but they're also keeping drives alive by making the right call to go forward on fourth down. And, and, you know, I wish that Dave Dorn adopted a similar philosophy, to be honest, because I've, I have felt like there have been times where we've given up on drives either, you know, made uh, kick long field goal attempts, which, you know, we have a great field goal kicker, probably someone that's going to be in the mix for the Lou Groza Award this year. Uh, he's a weapon, Chris Dunn. Um, but I would almost rather see us try to extend drives when we're in that kind of no man's land versus, um, you know, opting to kick field goals, certainly not punting from the uh, plus side of the field. So, um, you know, credit where credit's due. Uh, but I do feel like, uh, I'm eager to see how that state Carolina game is going to play out at the end of the year, because it's going to be strength versus strength. And, and we'll just see, have to see which team, which unit comes out ahead in that matchup. Yeah. Great, great comments there. can't wait for that matchup <coughs> to, uh, you know, two, two of the best freshman quarterbacks in the country, you know, Drake may, we've already talked about him, but MJ Morris just, you know, been outstanding since he's taken over from Devin Leary. And that's going to be a fantastic matchup. Probably one of the most anticipated North Carolina NC state games, football games in quite a, quite a while. I yeah, that's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, I mean, there's a decent chance that both of those teams will be in the uh, top, you know, 15-ish, maybe even, you know, if Carolina keeps winning top 10 of the CFP rankings by the time they face one another. And, and as a, a kid who grew up here in the state of North Carolina and, and has followed these uh, two teams and the rivalry between them, you know, obviously it's a basketball state, but – um, I've always wanted this game to have stakes attached to it and, uh, and have rankings attached to it. And I think it, it might actually have that this coming year. Yeah, absolutely. All right. We've got Matthew on board now, my, my, um, co-host and moderator of the show, Matthew, I'm going to turn it over to you now for the, the last, uh, three or four questions here on the podcast yeah thanks for letting me join you sorry i sorry i had technical difficulties but jeff held down the fourth thanks for joining us james on the longest yeah. independent acc podcast in <laughs> the united states and you've been a big supporter of this podcast so we appreciate you coming on the show yeah so here we go, man. Week 11. Which ACC team could be upset if they're looking ahead to a game on the schedule or otherwise sleepwalking on the field, the floor? Well, I think we we touched on it in the prior, um, you know, uh, question there. I, I think Clemson really has an opportunity to get up, upset again. Um, I, if I'm not mistaken, I think they still own the longest continuous uh, winning streak at home. Uh, but Louisville has a decent shot, I think, given the way the two teams have trended uh, to go in there and, and possibly, you know, upside the Tigers. It's Death Valley is just such a hard place to, to win at. Um, you know, er, every state fan still thinks with great heartbreak about that missed field goal that would have won uh, the game in 2016 and, and broken that streak way back when. But um it's a tall order. I, I would give Louisville probably less than 25% chance of pulling it off, but a 25% chance of upsetting Clemson in Death Valley is pretty good odds. I think you'd, most coaches would take that. And so I would say that um, Clemson has a, a decent shot of um, getting upset by Louisville. 
just given the fact that Louisville's uh, playing with a lot of confidence and Clemson right now is not. <coughs> fair statement, fair, fair statement. So on the national schedule, which FBS game are you looking forward to the most in week 11? And we're, we're open, wide open with this question. Heck, you could even give us an FCS game if you're interested in looking at the FCS. Yeah, I, I, I don't know the, the FCS programs as uh, intimately as the, uh, the Power Five and the, the rest of the FBS. So I'm not going to dare try to uh, dazzle you with my, um, I don't know. I can't even name a, uh, an FCS program <laughs> off the top of my Absolutely. head. I should have. Yeah, you I follow me on Twitter, for heaven's sake. <laughs> yeah, wh- which of the Dakota teams is it that you pull for, uh, Matthew? You're, you're a... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm not. I'm not going to try to dazzle you with my North Dakota State knowledge because I have zero. Okay, very good. Um, okay. But no, I, I, I think you know. Speaking of teams that um, had high expectations and and people assumed would be playoff teams, but have really struggled, relatively speaking, this year. I'm eager to see how Alabama looks against Ole Miss. Um, you know, they, uh, they, uh, you know, obviously losing uh, to LSU this past week. Um, I, I do have to kind of laugh at all the uh, the Nick Saban era is over uh, or, you know, this is the end of the dynasty. You know, I, I'll, I'll have to see, you know, folks shovel dirt on, Nick, Nick Saban's coaching career once it's officially over. Uh, I think we've we've heard that narrative before. I want to say maybe um, five years ago or so, and then he just got right back to business about winning. Um, so I, the the rumors of his demise may be a little bit premature, but um, this has certainly not been the Alabama team that we're used to seeing. And um, you know, I I think. Um, that game against Ole Miss against, you know, being coached obviously by Lane Kiffin and his, his former offensive coordinator that, you know, butted heads with Nick a time or two. <clears throat> I think that, you know, that'll be a, a national scene game that, uh, you know, I, I'm not going to sit here and lie and say I've, I'm going to be eagerly watching it because honestly I do get kind of hyper-focused on just the ACC. I'll, I'll watch a Duke-Virginia game more uh, readily than I will a uh, you know a Big Ten game or an SEC game, uh, unless it's just a super massive matchup that uh, you know is is through the roof. But you know I didn't watch a single second of the uh, the Georgia Tennessee game, um, and you know uh, not because I have anything against either of those two programs, but I just uh, you know I'm I'm kind of an ACC guy. Uh, I grew up on Jefferson Pilot and Raycom, and that was. That was my uh, that was a soundtrack of my youth. So um, I'm much more apt to, to to keep it local with my viewing interests. So, um, but since we're talking national and games of implication and import, uh, I am going to be interested to see, you know, uh, the result of that Alabama Ole Miss game. And I guess from the the car crash train wreck aspect of it is if Ole Miss can win that game, then I do think you're really going to hear a lot of grumbling and speculation about whether or not Nick Saban is finally over the hill at Alabama, even though I think it might still be premature. Uh, I will (laughs) say, James and Jeff, I I am low-key looking to see if TCU can handle the pressure of being 9-0 and and going into Austin and playing at Mm -hmm. the University of Texas because Texas is going to be absolutely amped for that game. To 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 bring down an in-state rival, you know, in-state rival that what you know that really you know Texas is you know that really was one of their rivals for several years within the Big Twelve, and that's it's a it's a chance really to bring somebody's season down, and they want to say that they're still owning the state of Texas, and Texas really has nothing to lose in this game, and TCU has everything to lose because as Jeff has said before, you know that. The longer you stay undefeated, and we both have talked about this several times, James. The longer the longer you stay undefeated as a Power Five team, the better opportunity you have as other teams in the SEC wear each other down to be in that college football playoff. And I, you may have, I, I would sit, I would might say that you have, would have somewhat of an eye on that game, perhaps. <laughs> 
speaking to me or to Jeff? Perhaps both of you, but uh, I say I know I know, perhaps both of you, but I figured you might have a a small a small yeah. out of your corner on your eye on that. Yeah, no, I mean, I you know, I, I agree with what you just said, and and um, I'm trying to look on you know ESPN here and see uh, is Quinn Ewers back healthy and and uh, playing for Texas? Um, I know he was injured at one point, um, and I I picked up bits and pieces that he might have played this past week, but maybe I misheard. Um, but yeah, I mean, if if Quinn Ewers is back, and you know, obviously B. John Robinson is is a great running back for Texas. Um, yeah, they're going to want to prove and assert their authority in in the state of Texas. I mean, the funny thing about you know Texas, the University of Texas, is just that they've got more money than God. They've got their own network on the ESPN family of networks, and yet they've they've still been struggling ever since. Mac won that national title to kind of get back to a, you know, college football playoff type team. They've always kind of just been middling around the, uh, the teens or so. Um, you know, they, they, they get preseason hype and this is the year when all those five stars and four stars pan out and then it never quite comes to fruition. And, you know, of course they had that, uh, thriller of a game against Alabama, which now doesn't seem like quite as, um, you know, uh, a, a boost. I mean, I think Texas got ranked like it was the, it was the most a team has ever been ranked off of a loss. than I think, uh, I can recall in some time, like Texas shot up the rankings after losing to Alabama. Um, you know, fast forward to, to week 10 and now we're, we're looking at, uh, Alabama through a different lens, but, um, yeah, I mean, you know, Texas is still trying to kind of reestablish itself as the, the dominant team in, in the state and, um, you know, credit to TCU and, and, um, I haven't been following their success, uh, great, you know, closely, I guess I should say, but obviously, you know, they're nine and oh, they're undefeated in the big 12, which has been a pretty feisty league this year. Um, you know, I think that, uh, that, that does promise to be a pretty, uh, pretty good game. So, Yes, I mean to the extent that I will be scoreboard watching, I I won't probably have it on any TVs at seven thirty, since you know I'll be concerned primarily more with uh, with State and their game against Boston College. Of course, but, you know I'll be I'll be eager to see what the score shakes out on that one. Yeah, like Jeff, TCU Texas. No, I thought you you made a great point, Matthew, about you know TCU playing <laughs> with the, with the target on their back. Now I'm, you know, with the with the most recent uh, playoff rankings that came out tonight, you know, TCU is number four, and they control their own destiny. It, you know, they've been flying under the radar uh, over the last month, and even as recently as last week, we're number seven. And you know, people spent more time talking about you know Clemson as a legitimate playoff team or not. And okay, we found out they weren't, but. You know, TCU's kind of was here in the background. Well, now they're in that fourth spot. <coughs> we saw Notre Dame. I mean, we saw Clemson handle that very poorly. Um, let's see how TCU can handle that because they control their own destiny. If they go undefeated, they're not getting left out. Where before there was some question, you know, if they ran the table, was there still a scenario that would keep them out? Um, I don't think that's likely now if they run the table and i think it's i think if they beat texas i think they will win out and and make the playoff but you know like you both have been talking about um that that texas team they've got they have some talent um you know we saw what they did with with alabama even though that's that's not as noteworthy as we thought it was at the time i mean texas is capable of certainly of beating tcu and how how are they going to handle that so um, I think the game is at Texas, if I'm not mistaken, and uh, yeah, you know they'll be they'll be ready for that. It is at yep. Texas, indeed. All right, James, how ready are you for ACC basketball season? And give us your particular take, your early take. Well, you know, uh, it was actually kind of, uh, for this question in particular, it was fortuitous that we uh, had to reschedule because I got an opportunity to watch State um, 
play their opening season game last night against Austin P. Um, you know, uh, I was uh, a little despondent at, during the off season. You know, we lost Manny Bates to transfer to um, to Butler, I think. Um, and you know, you lose a guy like Manny Bates, and then we also had. Um, Oh gosh, I'm blanking on the the kid's name who uh uh transferred out uh one of our guards. And and then we had a um a kid decommit who ultimately ended up committing to Kentucky. So things were looking pretty bleak in the offseason for NC State. And then uh Kevin Keats went to work in the transfer portal and brought some guys in and you know, uh fast forward to last night's game and you know, the pieces that he brought in um, you know, DJ Burns, uh, at forward, he's not going to be a shot blocker like Manny Bates was. Uh, I mean, Manny is, is a lead in that regard. Um, but man, he just is a, a, a just a, a natural score around the basket. And that's something that NC State has really lacked last three or four years. You know, we've had great shot blockers and, and guys who could defend the post, but, you know, for all of, Manny's abilities to to block shots. He was not not really a a huge threat to score the ball. Um, and DJ Burns, I mean, he he opened the game. I think he hit his first five or six shots. He was credited with a miss on one that was dubious. I think he he may have lost the ball going up when he was trying to pass it, and the ball kind of flew up and hit the rim. So I think it counted as a missed shot. Um, but he was just, you know, making baby hooks, banking in them uh, off the glass. Really impressed with uh, what we saw out of him. Um, he, he he's a big guy, uh, so he's not going to get a whole lot of minutes. He's he's got to get in better shape. Um, but uh, really impressed with him, and um, you know, uh, again, blanking on the other gentleman uh, who was who came in and, and transferred in from from Ole Miss, um, but. You know, uh, a guard who came in and, and pairs really well with our natural star, Terquavion Smith. I mean, Terquavion, you know, all he did was just score 26 points in his opening game uh, of the year last night. Hit some ridiculous threes. Um, I, I really feel like Terquavion is going to be a star that is talked about on a national level this year. Um he was getting a little buzz last year, but it was more in the context of, you know, uh, you know, state really needs somebody to kind of pair with this guy for him to reach his full potential. And um, I'm trying not to get too excited based off what I saw against, you know, in one game against a, a lesser opponent, um, falling into that same tr- hope trap uh, that uh, we all get uh, sucked into. But um you know, state was picked, I think, tenth in the preseason. Um, like most years, you know, you have two or three teams at the top of the league that are kind of definitive, you know, title contenders. And then the middle of the league, pretty much from four to twelve, uh, is pretty much any any team in there could either have a disappointing season or exceed expectations. And I think state being picked tenth. Is going to be a little low. I feel like that they're going to. They've got the pieces to where they could finish in uh, the upper half of the league. I, you know, I don't know that we'll be getting the double buy in the ACC tournament when we get to that point by finishing fourth or higher. But uh, they they got a, a chance at it. You know, and if the team meshes the way that they did last night, you know, we were frustrated last year as NC State fans watching this team play. Um, you know, uh, poorly on defense, lacking a lot of kind of energy and cohesion. It felt like five individual players on the court instead of one unit. Uh, got a much different vibe l- last night from uh, that game. A lot more, you know, a lot more assists, a lot more sharing of the basketball, a lot more enthusiasm uh, and energy. Uh, again, it's one game. Try not to read too much into it, but but I am kind of eager to see how NC State uh, fares in the league because you know usually we have our best seasons when there's not as much expected of us. Jarkel Joiner, I think, is the name of that guard. Yeah, thank you. Yes, yeah, Jarkel Joiner. He he just he made some really impressive passes last night. A guy who, um, you know. 
it seems like a lot of guys now, um, because they have an eye on the, you know, getting to the league, you know, they, they're told, uh, before they even get to college that, you know, if you're going to be a point guard, you need to also be able to score the ball. So you see a lot of point guards who try to also, you know, put up scoring numbers. He seems like a guy who's just, whose only sole focus is just distributing the ball, putting guys in position. I think he, he scored a few points, but, uh, his focus last night really was kind of facilitating the offense and uh, really setting up Traquavion well, um, playing hard-nosed defense. We got several steals last night just on effort. Uh, rebounded the ball better than I can re- recall. Um, you know, the, the pieces that Keats brought in, like Jarkel, like DJ Burns, I think are really going to pay some big dividends this year. <laughs> Great, great analysis, James. So, uh, closing thoughts here. Open microphone. The floor is yours. Oh, well, man, what to say, what to talk about. Um, you know, it's, it is election night. It's a, it's an interesting time. Uh, you know, uh, Twitter has been an interesting place. Uh, who knows if Twitter will exist by the next time we record this show. Uh, you guys are going to have to, uh, I guess we'll have to connect on Mastodon or some other <laughs> social media platform. Maybe we'll all roll back to, uh, just using, uh, instant messenger, uh, or maybe something like that. But, um, yeah, it, it feels like we're kind of in a, a pivotal place as sports fans to try to figure out how to cover, you know, the sports that we, that we enjoy following, um, and uh, I'm, I'm eager to see what the future holds for, you know, because we, we got kind of comfortable with, you know, uh, Twitter and, and podcasting. And, uh, you know, now everybody's got a podcast. I mean, if there was one thing that the pandemic brought about, it was literally millions more podcasts were started. Uh, I don't know how many of those persisted. <laughs> Probably the uh, the the. Uh, success not success rate but you know like the persistence rate the follow-through rate uh was pretty low um i'm sure the uh the microphone company sold a ton of microphones which was great uh for them i should have invested stock in sure microphones um but uh you know i I guess that's a a long-winded way to say kudos to you guys for having a, a show that was uh here long before the pandemic and is still persisting on after the pandemic um, but, um, yeah, I mean, you know, from a, a sports standpoint, you know, specifically NC state, uh, I'm, I'm happy with MJ Morris. Uh, I think exciting things are ahead for him. He's really grown a lot in just a, a, a short period of time. I mean, you know, Leary gets injured against Florida state. Um, the next game is Syracuse and we go back and forth. Um, between, you know, MJ and um, the uh, transfer kid from Charleston Southern. MJ showed you a few things. And then, you know, in just a short period of time, it went from, uh, you know, having not gotten any reps really at all with the first team offense to, you know, he performs well enough against Virginia Tech to, sorry, Matthew, uh, to win that game. and then gets his first start, the first true freshman uh, quarterback to start at NC State since Philip Rivers. Uh, and he's come in, and, and he's really running with it. And excited to see what the future holds for him uh, because I think, you know, if State can get, you know, uh, they've got a, a shot at winning 10 wins either outright in the regular season if they can run the table, um, which would be a tall order, or – if they can get two more and then a bowl game, uh, a, still a, a shot at 10 wins. Um, I think MJ is going to be uh, a big part of uh, just how successful NC State's season is after what I think a lot of people assumed would just, you know, collapse upon itself when Devin Leary got a uh, loss for the year. <laughs> Great analysis, James. Great analysis. Guys, I'll just be very quick with my open mic and we can go to Jeff. I actually think Virginia Tech has another opportunity this year in ACC men's basketball to uh, get a double buy, uh, to uh, 
I think Virginia Tech has an opportunity to get to a double bye. And I, I shouldn't say another one because it didn't happen last year, but I think they actually have a very good opportunity to get to a double bye. I like the makeup of the roster. I think the guards are are better. They're more athletic. And it's a system that worked pretty well in Blacksburg. And our course to make a run and Oh, it looks like we had a little uh, difficulty there with you, Matthew. Are you, are you back? Yeah, I'm back. Can you hear me? Yep. Sorry about that. Yeah. Uh, I actually am feeling pretty good about Virginia Tech being a uh, dark horse double by candidate <laughs> CC this year. Um, it's weird. It was weird for me to hear somebody say it's the defending ACC men's basketball champions, Virginia Tech, on that opening night. I've, I never thought I would ever hear that in my entire life. And hearing that was pretty amazing. So, And I actually think Virginia Tech has an opportunity to uh, to get a double bye this year. I think, they, I, think, I think they're underrated, and I think they have a chance to do pretty well in the conference. So I'm actually kind of excited about what the season holds for the Virginia Tech not only for the men's team, but for the women's team. I think I think that Virginia Tech is a dark horse in in in, in, in both ACC and men's uh, ACC and men's, uh, ACC women, men's and women's basketball, both to get double buys this year in the ACC tournament. And I <coughs> yeah, I mean. As an NC State fan, you know I've, I'm I'm proud of what our women uh, have accomplished uh, on the basketball court the last few years, and um, you know we've we're replacing a lot there, but I think NC State's women's team is going to be uh, another uh, contender for the title this year. But yeah, some of the the toughest games that our, our women have faced in recent years have been those Virginia Tech games. Definitely, definitely, Jeff, you're up, buddy. Yeah, I'm just going to be real quick with my mic, too. For, for me, when November rolls around, it's it's the, my favorite sports time of the year when college basketball gets going and there's still plenty of football on. Um, you know, I'm, I'm one of those who I will watch college basketball, um, you know, before before conference season starts in, in January. I'll watch those preseason um those preseason tournaments, I, I enjoy the, the ACC uh, big 10 challenge when that gets going. Um, I don't know if that, what will have happened to that in the future with the TV contracts, but yeah, for me, I'm just, I'm, I'm ready. I'm glad, you know, that, that we've gotten to November and just, you know, college basketball, college football. That's great for me. And what happened to Florida state last night? I know they only had, I think eight scholarship players, but you lose your opening game to Stetson, you know, ACC is trying to, you know, kind of, they had that great tournament, uh, but still it was a struggle during the regular season. That that's, that's not a loss you want to see up there in the conference right out of the gate for this, for the Seminole. That one's going to sting. Mm -hmm. That one, that one's going to be a black mark, uh, a black eye for the Seminoles the entire year. Um, you know, I know they say, oh, first game of the year, but I mean, you know, I, I'm not sure if you're going to, you know, see Stetson that high up in, in the rankings anytime soon. And that, that's going to pull down. They're going to have to win a couple of, uh, you know, big uh, non-conference games or, you know, pull off a couple of big wins in the conference to make up for that. that that's not what you want to see out of the gate for Leonard Hamilton and, and Florida State. But, um, yeah, that's my open mic for, for today. Yeah, I, I love this time of year as well. It's, uh, it's great. Um, I did see a funny uh, tweet from, I think, the Reddit CFB account that said this was a huge week for Stetson's, of course, referring to Stetson Bennett uh, beating Tennessee and then Stetson beating uh, Florida State. But, um, yeah, that was a head-scratcher. Uh, and, you know, you think about it, you know, how important it is for the conferences, you know, 
uh, when it when it comes time to selection Sunday in March, you know uh, what what a uh, conference does broadly in the non-conference um, in terms of uh, you know kind of setting the not just the perception but also some of the RPI numbers and and things that uh, I know they use FPI and and whatever metric now that's you know slightly different but you know how you perform in the non-conference. Uh, does have a, a broader impact, and it's important for the ACC teams to win these non-conference games, so that when you get to the conference slate and teams start beating up on each other, you're not, you know, the narrative is not, uh, wow, this is a, a down ACC because no one can really stay above 500. It's look at all these powerhouses that are beating up on each other. Um, so, Flor- uh, uh, you know, a team like Florida State losing a game like that against Stetson is. Uh, is not a great thing for the overall health of the uh, the conference. Um, so, uh, be interesting to see. I mean, you know, we again talked about teams in that kind of four to twelve range in the preseason polls, and and usually there's a handful that overperform and uh, some that underperform. You know, uh, a, a start let a start like that from Florida State makes you wonder if they might be uh, in the the team that. Uh, a team that underperforms relative to their preseason expectations. But, you know, we'll find out a lot about uh, NC State when they get to the battle for Atlantis that's coming up uh, in the back half of November. Uh, we'll get a uh, some team you may have heard of called Kansas is there. Um, we got to play them. Uh, and then either Dayton or Wisconsin. Uh, and then, you know, uh, one of the other uh, remaining teams. Uh, we'll, we'll play all three teams while we're down there, but um, we'll have games against Kansas, Dayton, and Wisconsin, uh, and we'll know a lot more about NC State when we exit uh, the Bahamas uh, versus where we are right now. James, thanks so much for joining us tonight on the All Sports Discussion ACC podcast. Thank you so much for your flexibility Sure. We had no idea we were going to run into a maintenance window on, on Sunday night. And we thank you for coming on the show tonight and making time for us. Yeah, no, I, I again, I always enjoy the opportunity to, to talk with you guys. And I don't know how many years we've been doing this now, but it's at least, what, four or five uh, or more? We've been going since 13 and you've been with us for at least seven. Wow. Yes. Seven years. Dag on. That is... We That's crazy. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, You're yeah. Honest. Well, I don't know how much better of a podcaster I am uh, than I was in 2013, but hopefully I'm slightly better. Um, <laughs> but we all, we all learned a little bit from the analog days. <laughs> That's right. Right. <laughs> Do it the hard way first, and then you know when technology comes along and makes things a little bit easier, then you're ready for it. <laughs> yeah, or not. In the case, <laughs> yeah. Just kidding. All right. So, <laughs> all right. Thanks again, and have a great week, guys.